0: Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy you're back to listen to me prattle on about Atlantis and the ancients. I've actually been sick the past couple of weeks, and I've been trying to wait for my voice to recover. So I apologize. It's not at 100%. Your effort to help make this podcast grow shows every day and I couldn't feel more honored to have you as a listener. I continue to do my research and I'm learning how to use this microphone a little bit better, I'm learning how to edit, and I've recently been trying to figure out how to use Adobe Auditions. I try really hard to provide you with an informative yet entertaining podcast. You're listening pushes me to continue. Though I do already love this subject and find myself navigating to it, I like to take my time and process. With this podcast, I go to search for information that I have locked away in my memories for future use. Since we finished the ancient accounts of Atlantis, now we need to try and pinpoint the time and place. Presuming you're still interested in finding this lost city after all, I want to remind everyone that I'm far from an expert. And I do not have all the answers, though I have introduced new concepts and I have got you to think about it just a little different. I could be completely wrong. I'm very open to your suggestions and what you think the truth is. Since episode one, I have brought up a name in almost every episode, Heracles. It's a very tough subject to approach and I'll do my best for this episode and following episodes. The Roman Hercules and the Greek Heracles ended up absorbing at least three separate people into one story, so detangling the storylines is tedious and difficult. I have not spent as much time as I would like making sure that I have all of the points correct. However, if I did that, I wouldn't have much of an episode on Heracles for years to come. So, I thought a good old disclaimer would carve an exception in my stories in case I'm wrong. This episode also dances around Abrahamic religions. I don't want to get overly political over religion and what you personally believe. I find all of this incredibly fascinating and I'm not trying to stir discord. The Bible and the Quran have valuable information in their texts that relates to history. I'm not discriminatory on my sources, so I'm trying really hard just to present facts. I want to throw a warning out there that this episode may offend or trigger people who hold deep beliefs. This is not my intent. I am completely in love with all mythology, and I know that some of you may be triggered by me calling your belief mythology, but I'm trying to be scientific And, by all scientific purposes, all the gods fall into the category of mythology. So for this episode, I'm going to be breaking down the Phoenicians and the Phoenician Heracles. I'll use the help of the following authors. Herodotus, an ancient Greek historian and geographer from the Greek city of Halicarnassus. Herodotus was the first writer to do a systematic investigation of historical events. He's referred to as the father of history and lived from 484 BCE to 425 BCE. I also used an article from herods.com on the Pool of Baal, an article from the GreekCityTimes.com on the Temple of Melcorp found by Cadiz Spain, and a post from ForumAncientCoins.com on the coin history of Baal Millcourt. The articles are linked in the episode description. Before the Minoans were the naval city we've come to know, the first major seafarers were the Phoenicians. Homer mentions the Phoenicians and its Greek to mean, variably, Phoenician person, or Tyrian purple, crimson, or date palm. Ancient Phoenicia was located in modern-day Lebanon. The scholarly consensus is that the Phoenician's period of greatest prominence was 1200 BCE to the end of the Persian period, which is 332 BCE. Recent research has shown that Phoenician land and society had diverged from the Canaanite lands by 3200 B.C.E. Though the Phoenicians and the Canaanites evolved near each other, they formed their own culture with their own gods. The Canaanites' primary patron god was El and branched off to become the Abrahamic religions of modern-day Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Meanwhile, the Phoenicians had a god that may sound familiar to some, Baal Melchor. Baal is a title that means Lord, and Melcourt is reported to be the son of El and Ashtardi. If this is the first time hearing about this, yes, El had a wife before she was practically written out of history. The Phoenician Early Bronze Age is largely unknown. The two most important sites are Byblos and Sidon de Camerion, near Sidon. As of 2021, well over hundred sites remain to be excavated, while others that have been are yet to be fully analyzed. The Middle Bronze Age was a generally peaceful time of increasing population, trade, and prosperity. Though there, there was competition for natural resources. In the Late Bronze Age, rivalry between Egypt, Mintani, and the Hittites with Assyria had significant impact on the Phoenician cities. The first known account of the Phoenicians relates to the conquest of Pharaoh Thutmose III, which is from 1479 BCE to 1425 BCE. The Egyptians targeted the coastal cities, which they wrote belonged to the carpenters, such as Biblios, for their crucial geographic and commercial links. The cities provided Egypt with access to Mesopotamian trade and abundant stocks of the region's native cedar wood. By the mid-14th century BCE, the Phoenician city-states were considered favored cities to the Egyptians. The Phoenicians had considerable autonomy and their cities were reasonably well-developed and prosperous. Byblos was the leading city, and it was centered Bronze Age making and the primary terminus of precious goods such as tin and lapis lazuli from as far east as Afghanistan. Sidon and Tyre also commanded interest among Egyptian officials, beginning a pattern of rivalry that would span to the next millennium. Herodotus made a visit to Tyre and wrote down the history that you might find interesting. Here's a quote from Herodotus. In the wish to get the best information that I could on these matters, I made a voyage to Tyre in Phoenicia, hearing that there was a temple of Heracles in that place. Very highly venerated. I visited the temple and found it richly adorned with a number of offerings, among which were two pillars, one of pure gold, the other of smargdos shining with great brilliance at night. In a conversation which I held with the priests, I inquired how long their temple had been built, and found their answer that they too differed from the Hellenes. They said that the temple was built at the same time that the city was founded, and that the foundation of the city took place 2300 years ago. In Tyre, I remarked another temple which had the same god was worshipped as the Thaetian Heracles. So I went on to the Thesos, where they found a temple of Heracles, which had been built by the Phoenicians who colonized that island when they sailed in search of Europa. Even this was five generations earlier than the time when Heracles, son of Amphitryon, was born in Hellas. These researches show plainly that there is an ancient god, Heracles, and my own opinion is that those Hellenes act most wisely who build and maintain two temples of Heracles, and one of those which Heracles worshipped is known by the name of the Olympian and has sacrifice offered to him as an immortal, while the other, the honors paid are such due to a hero. So, in Greek mythology, Europa was actually a Phoenician princess of Argos in Greek origin, and the mother of King Minos of Crete. The continent of Europe is actually named after her, and the Heracles of Thebes was named Alcaeus, son of Amphitryon. I get my information from many sources, and for this one, I want to use a forum on ancient coins with experts that contribute to it from around the world. I've actually linked this in my episode description, and I encourage you to go take a look. Throughout this forum post, they're actually bringing up Mokart as Mokart meaning king of the city. He was originally a city god of Tyre. So he appears already as Kutu in the list of vow gods in the Treaty of Asardin with Baal of Tyre. But the oldest reference we have is an Aramaic inscription of Bar-Hadad, found in Bredshish in North Syria. And again, I apologize for my lack of pronunciation, a little bit better with Greek and Latin. And, you know, we all have our downfalls. Probably there was a trinity between Melcourt, Baal, and Ashtarte, who was the female synchros of the two. The cult of Melcart then spread out to Arados, Kittion, Thasios, Sicily, Sardinia, and Spain. The center of worship of Melcourt was the city of Gates, today Cadiz, Spain. The great Baal, whose name means owner, or master, whose compensation depended on when and where he was being adored. King of the gods, god of the seasons and the storm, god of fertility, god of rain and thunder, whose name was Legion. Worshipped from Uigrat to North Africa and across the Mediterranean thousands of years ago and loath to the priests of Yahweh. Baal would become Bel to the Armenians, and Belos or Bilios to the ancient Greeks. In the early 20th century, there was a quote-unquote artificial harbor that was discovered in the Phoenician port of Matoia in southern Sicily, but it was no such thing. This monumental rectangular basin had been misinterpreted. It has now been shown to have been a gigantic sacred pool in honor of Baal that operated during the city's Phoenician period from about the 8th to the 5th centuries BCE. According to archaeologist Professor Lorenzo Nigro of Sapinzia University in Rome, he explains this in the Journal of Antiquity. In Carthage, which I plan to dedicate an entire episode to, Melkar is one of the main gods, even though his name was seldom found on inscriptions. But he is named as Heracles in the treaty between Hannibal and Philip V of Macedonia. So it must be assumed that everywhere in later times there was a Heracles likeness and was worshipped. So it was originally a Melchor bolt, inn that was the first one to be established. Alexander Severus introduced the cult of Melcourt from Leptis Magna to Rome. Yet unexplained is the sphere of action of Melcart. His temples were without idols or statues of any deities. Worshipped were stone columns, often in duplicate The reader is reminded of the two ambrosial rocks which played an important role in the founding myth of Tyre. On his altars were eternal fires that were left burning, but because he is depicted on coins as riding on a hippocampus, he is held as a sea god too. So, Hippocampus, hippo meaning horse, campus meaning monster, or sea monster. We're looking at again a horse sea monster. Look at us, we're learning Greek. In contrast, Baal was generally seen as a mountain god. So Melkar was a sailor god and was worshipped on promontories. For example, we have a Cape of Melcourt in Sicily. The Phoenicians were actually masters of architecture. The Melkart Temple in Tyre was highly praised by Herodotus. At his time, they already called it the Temple of Heracles. This temple was in its time the most important architectural monument of the eastern Mediterranean. In the Bible, 1 Kings 5, it states that, In the beginning of his reign, King Solomon of the United Kingdom of Israel set out giving effect to the ideas of his father, and prepared additional materials for the building. From subterranean quarries at Jerusalem, he obtained huge blocks of stone for the foundations and the walls of the temple. These stones were prepared for their places in the building under the eye of the Tyrian master builders. According to this account, Solomon also entered into a compact with the I, the king of Tyre, for the supply of whatever else was needed for the work, particularly timber, from the forests of Lebanon, which was brought in great rafts by the sea to Joppa. From there, it was dragged to Jerusalem. The famous Temple of Solomon probably was a copy of the Melqart Temple in Tyre. This temple showed two big columns, one made of gold and the other made of precious stones which were called Columns of Melkart. That name was later assigned to the Rock of Gibraltar too and then was altered to the Columns of Hercules. Today it is assumed that Melkart originally was a manifestation of the Phoenician god of vegetation. There are reports that Heracles was killed by Typhon which Typhon is also equal to Baal Haman. So remember, Baal means master, right? So that's kind of like your title. So where Haman would be more of the name in his journey through Libya. But then he was resuscitated by Iolus using the smell of quails. Like many other Syrian gods, Melkart, as Heracles, too, later gets features of the sun god. On coins, therefore, his symbols are eagle and a lion. At the coin shown here in the melting with Heracles is finished, he too bears the lion skin and the club. Whether Melkart is identical with Moloch, the famous god of the Old Testament to whom children were sacrificed is controversial. But it is known that in these times, human sacrifices were widely spread. See Abraham, who was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac to Yahweh. In contrast, Melicrates, who was highly venerated in Corinth, was probably identical with Melkart. It is known that there were colonies of the Phoenicians in Greece who would have naturally taken along their religious cults. <music> The Phoenicians expanded their trade routes out of the Mediterranean and into the Atlantic Ocean via the only sea passage, the Gibraltar Strait. Then they went north, up the Iberian coast, and down the African coast. In this strait, the mariners had to pass between two mountains, Jebel Musa and Gibraltar. They called them the Pillars of Melkart they were later renamed to the Pillars of Hercules by the Romans. In order to protect their trade routes and to warn off any competitors wanting to follow them, the Phoenicians started a myth that the Pillars of Melkart marked the end of the world and beyond lay unimaginable sea monsters and navigational hazards. The myth was taken by the Greeks and turned into an epic poem, now lost, written by Piusander, dated about 600 BCE. The Romans went one step further and attributed the creation of Gibraltar Straits to Heracles, the Greek god, or Hercules, the Roman equivalent. What's interesting to note is that this seems to be that the pillars of Heracles were not named that during Plato's time. It appears that they would be called the Pillars of Melcourt, as the name Heracles wasn't attributed to it until the Roman Empire, which is going to be after 100 BCE. A column temple containing an internal flame. A fire raised on an altar, maintained day and night by priests. The columns forming the entrance were elaborately decorated. The frontispiece between the columns depicted the 12 labors of Hercules, carved into bronze. The latter, probably part of the enhancements made by the Romans during the reign of Trajan, offerings would have been placed inside the entrance columns. The entire temple would have been on a raised stone plinth. This description is not far off from the Temple of Melkart entire itself. As to the positioning of the temple we can only guess, but it is accepted that the temple was on the south end of De Petri, with two columns facing south, through which the eternal flame would be visible to sailors traveling north. Having just passed through the Pillars of Hercules, would have been more spiritual significance than the temple on the east side of the island, with the columns facing east. In an article from December 2021, scientists from Andalusian Historical Heritage Institute, or IAPH and the University of Seville, have located the trace of a large Roman and Phoenician building. They did this by analyzing, with free software, measurements and the area in the Bay of Cadiz. The mythical temple of Hercules, called Melkart in Phoenician times, was an important place of pilgrimage in antiquity. A millennia later, its location remains a mystery and has become sort of the holy grail for historians and archaeologists. Moreover, they have been searching for it for centuries. However, a researcher from the University of Seville, Ricardo Belizion, shines new light on the case. Together, with a team of scientists from the University of Seville and IAPH, he has located traces of a monumental building in the Sancta Petri Canal. This is the coastal area in the Bay of Cadiz between Chicolana de la Frontera and San Fernando. The area is an intertidal zone. It is above water at low tide, and underwater at high tide. Belizeon analyzed the measurements of the area using the software. If confirmed, the sanctuary, which was visited by Julius Caesar and the Carthaginian conqueror Hannibal, among others, and which dates back to at least the 9th century BCE, would actually be an area that various archaeological finds have been pointing to for centuries. The Temple of Hercules is said to have been a column temple with an eternal flame of fire raised on an altar maintained day and night by priests. The frontispiece between the columns depicted the twelve labors of Hercules, carved in bronze. Hercules' Alcaeus, the son of Amphitryon, completed twelve labors as penance for killing of his wife Magra and five children. After he was driven insane by Hera, offerings would have been placed inside the entrance columns and the entire temple would have been raised on a stone plinth. Greek and Latin records also say that this is the place where Julius Caesar wept bitterly before representation of Alexander the Great and where the Carthaginian conqueror Hannibal went to offer thanks for his successes of his military campaign a century and a half earlier. And now, The mythical temple may have been found after centuries of searching. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each our own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, Hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least, reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9pm. See you then. Wait, are you still here? Thank you, it's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. So now this is where things get a bit more confusing those infamous pillars of Heracles. But wait a minute, didn't I just tell you last week about Melkart hercules and weren't the pillars established at Cadiz, Spain? Well, I did. Which is why I have to ask myself, why did Alcides go to Libya to establish his own pillars? Remember this quote from Diodorus? In the end, both the Gorgons and the race of Amazons were entirely destroyed by Hercules. When he visited the regions to the west and he set up his pillars in Libya, he felt that it would be in ill accord with his resolve to be the benefactor of the whole race of mankind if he should suffer any nations to be under the rule of women. This almost seems to me that there could be another set of pillars. Alciades needed to make the pillars like his named predecessor.